Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. Hello, this is the Italian Wine Podcast. My name is Monty Walden. My guest today is Gabriele Gorelli, Italy's first master of wine. Congratulations. You've just become a master of wine after a lot of hard work. How, how did that feel? Well, it's, it's just such a relief. But uh, at the same time, it is a liberation. Uh, it is a liberation from a, a burden, uh, a pressure, on, not only on being the first, but just on arriving to the endeavor that uh, I had set to myself in 2014. And at the same time, it's a liberation of an energy that I always had to put on that. But at this moment, it feels like it's free to, to be conveyed in new projects. Okay, so it's a little, a little bit of a liberation. Right. So what would your, I mean, what would your tips be to, um, to students in general, but also particularly for students whose first language isn't, uh, isn't English? And what would your key tips be? How to win at Master of Wine? Well, something I didn't do, but I would strongly recommend because in, uh, in, in itinere, I, I started to understand how important it is, is to do the WSET certifications up to the diploma. And that would allow any student, even of second language or third, to really get into the uh, actual way of systematically assessing a wine and also have everything that it's cool and good to know about wines of the world. Because we do not have in Italy any certification that uh, provides uh, such a broad uh, overview about the wine of, of the world. You need to go to the WSET. By the time you did the WSET and you're done with that, with your diploma, you have the knowledge, the basics, the, the, the foundation of your knowledge that you can work on. And of course, it takes a lot of work to become somebody that can just reconvey uh, the, the sort of book knowledge in an exam, like diploma students are asked to. But for the Master of Wine, you need to strongly, critically think about the why. We are not asked the what and the how, but we are strongly asked about the why. By the time you have the foundation of uh, your knowledge to, to wrap your hand about that, you can start working on the why, which is the most important thing. I mean, were there any moments when you were um, thinking, you know what, this is too difficult, I'm going to give up, or you were just very determined that you knew you would get there in the end? Well, I, I'm used to finish what I've started. And, uh, of course, uh, I had the opportunity to do that, but I had the strong willingness to finish. The commitment in this sort of journey is everything. And even if the program says in the syllabus, the institute tells you that uh, it is an individual study program, I think uh, this cannot be done if 
you're not in a collective environment. I mean, you need people to support you. Other students are needed to establish these sort of give and receive relationship. And it is not only about knowledge. It is not only about, uh, you know, the actual exam preparation, but it is also about energy. You know, some people at some point would go down with their energy and, and you need other people that are strongly committed and possibly in, in a more uplifting uh, sort of uh, a moment to support you. That's the most important thing. So I I felt like sometimes I, I also really was looking at the top of the mountain from from really from the valley. And even uh, while I, I was doing my dissertation, my research project, and you know when you're there, it's it's a matter of time. You you know you will be finishing. It is it, not like before you you pass the exam. So you you don't know whether you have uh, the attempts. Uh, needed to to actually uh, get through but you know you will be getting there at some point but at some point you get so tired you get so a bit i would say fed up about everything and you need people to support you that is the most important thing it's interesting you say that about the dissertation because um in the old days it was a little bit easier i think the dissertation it was like a long essay and I remember coming back from Verona uh, in the car with you last time, and you and you, I said, "Come on, you've only got your dissertation to do. It's not that difficult." And you and you were quite cautious about that. I mean, you didn't take it for granted. And uh, now that you've, um, I didn't want to push you either in the car because we we're both exhausted after tasting about four thousand wines in two days. But but um, it's interesting to say that you see that you've really got to keep going to the bitter end. <laughs> Don't give up. Don't give up. So that's really good advice. And and I'm sure you, as a mentor. You, you're going to be such a good mentor to to people. You know, you're young and a lot of energy. And if you're saying, listen, this is not something, we all know it's going to be difficult, but it's even harder than you think it's going to be, right to the bitter end. Um, that's really good advice. And then students can pace themselves. Um, what did you do? I mean, in terms of obviously your family, I'm sure, very relieved. Um, was it Was it quite difficult getting back into the family routine? Of the elation of getting this thing out of the out of your out of, out of the way, were they very pleased? I know you've got a small family as well. Yeah, absolutely, they were pleased. They were so relieved because they they have been living that since the beginning. Especially my girlfriend Azura, she was with me since the very beginning. Actually, she holds part of the responsibility of letting me join the institute because she forwarded me the email about the symposium of the Institute of Masters of Wine in uh, May 2014. And uh, when did this happen, I, I wasn't actually aware of what we were talking about. So I had to investigate a bit and I understood that the Institute was also supporting, together with the, the Instituto Grandimarchi, was also making this masterclass to you know get... The, an intake of Italian students, not only Italian, even Spanish and French students were allowed into the masterclass in order to have people that uh, have no diploma, WSET certification, and but to get them closer to the institute and possibly inside the institute with the aim of having a master of wine from those countries, especially Italy, of course. So 
my family, especially my girlfriend, she holds a bit of the responsibility for me to have joined. And she had accounted for that. I mean, she had always been supporting me over time in the worst uh, moment of my, you know, process of my journey. She was there. And of course, uh, after our baby was born, the actually one month before I sat the exam, which I was the first to pass the practical, it has been a roller coaster of emotions. Absolutely, and that is absolutely stunning because you feel like you are um, achieving a couple goal. It is not only a personal goal; it is first personal, then it's a couple goal, and then it's a, a true a country or an industry goal if you go through this process yeah i remember you had a you were talking about your little uh, baby and you're you're a very hands-on dad as well and um so that again must have been quite difficult you probably felt a bit guilty at times that you were maybe not spending enough time with a little baby or or whatever but whenever i see you in montacini because we often bump into each other he's he's always got his baby either in his hand within about two meters so, um, so yeah, you're a very hands-on dad. Now, the Gorelli family name in Montalcino is quite well known. Just tell us a, bit, a little bit about your family. Yeah, I think it's funny because we have been talking about that just one year ago. Right before the lockdown, I was talking with you on the Italian Wine Podcast about especially my family background. So uh, I've been immersed, I would say, surrounded, but possibly sieged by wine since the very beginning because my grandpa Giancarlo he used to be uh, the smallest Brunello di Montalcino producer intended as a an actual bottler of Brunello so he, he had his own label the Gorelli label which lasted until 1998 vintage and I was a little boy at the moment and uh, but I, I sort of felt like the rhythm of the vineyards and all the the rituality of these things you do in the vineyards, you do in the cellar, are something that are really sort of innate nature for for some people. And I was so uh, into it because I wanted to be as my grandpa, as my dad, as my uncle were. So into that, all together, uh, committed to to produce a teeny tiny amount of wine, but of uh, beautiful quality and also i had the opportunity these last few days to open some bottles of uh, my grandpa actually i opened one uh, 97 brunello which was still absolutely stunning wine with a, a inner modernity that I, I i wouldn't have expected if i look back on how they were working in the cellar i mean everything was super clean but the the actual cask where he was fermenting the, the grapes uh, year to year, he used to punch it down with uh, a, a piece of wood uh, that it, it, it was always the same from one year to another. No? So you, you know that you, you could have contamination, you could have many things, but uh, I mean, it did yield such wonderful wine with uh, sucrosite, san sucre, ripeness but still a uh, saline touch unbelievable wines produced in in a very rudimental way and this is fantastic because it tells you that okay the end of the man it's it's something that is important in the process but 
the terroir, they actually the, the, the place this wine has been produced was doing most of the thing. Where was the vineyard for that wine? Le due portine, Giancarlo Gorelli. He's no longer with us. No, no, no. It's been uh, 13 years already. She, he passed away. So, obviously, being a, um, from Montalcino, what are your favorite areas in Montalcino in terms of ex- vine expression and wine expression? I think the most classic area is something that uh, has always had another gear in, uh, in expression and in longevity. So the, the, the wines from uh, the most calcareous part of Montalcino, especially Montosoli, to me have a, a sort of inner energy that uh, the rest of the Appalachian still has, but in a, in a more uh, gentle way. I mean, the assertiveness of a wine made on, on, on calcium carbonate with such exposition, it's still something that touches me a lot. Okay. And what about the south of Montalcino? Do you like the wines from the south, which tend to be a little bit bigger, a little bit broader, a little bit more exotic compared to Montosoli? Well, yes, provided those come from uh, producers that are really uh, taking care of the vineyards more than their wines, uh, especially if we're talking about producers that are higher in altitude but are south, especially southeast facing, and they are on the galestro soils so or on the schist, and these give the wines a more uh, austere touch those are might might be exotic uh, for the alcohol levels for the body but those are austere wines absolutely that uh, are strongly conveying the, the the harshness of the the soil yeah i am um, I, I, I we we seem to think alike i mean the galestro wines are um, they have that wonderful texture and intensity and that sort of smoothness and they're very versatile with food, and there's no sort of degree of difficulty with uh, with those particular wines. How about, um, do you detect any market trends, wine in general, not just in Montalcino? What would you say is happening in the world of wine right now? Where is the future of it? Well, I think uh, we need to get more consumers from the youngsters, and uh, this is done with the creation of, uh, over time, we need to create something new to people, something attractive, because those people, the youngsters, are not talking about uh, millennials, because I, I am a millennial too, and uh, millennia, we are already almost 40 years old. So we need to go to Generation Y. We need to go to people that really uh, are about to be introduced to wine and uh, how to catch their attention. I think we do have... Uh, two two points to to really strongly ev- assess and evaluate. The first one is producing more contemporary styles of wine because we have been, especially Italy, we have been um, deemed to uh, produce wines with a strong or almost always present oxidative character. No, these wines that uh, usually because of that taste a bit dry and are not really suitable to to the international palate because of their dryness. Uh, that's why every uh, expert or 
um, wine guy in the, in the trade say, okay, Italian wines are very tannic, but like Sangiovese is very tannic, which isn't actually the case. It's something that happens because of many interaction between anthocyanins and tannins, and it is the vinification style that uh, the winemaking process that strongly impacts these uh, sort of uh, dryness and assertiveness of the tannins. I think we can go in a way that we, we can better manage the tannins. We shouldn't wait for five, ten years before drinking one wine because of the polymerization of its tannins is not complete or is not enough to be drinkable. So we should aim for wines that represent an entrance to a region. If we want to talk about Montalcino, Rosso is the way. Because Rosso is a more contemporary style of wine because it has more crunchy fruit. It is more giving. It is more generous sort of wine in the beginning. It is something that can uh, achieve uh, you know, the, 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 the endeavor of getting a consumer up to the Brunello and then up to the Reserva or up to the single vineyard. But those consumers must be catched, especially because they are young, must be catched by curiosity. And then they want to investigate. They are curious and, and they want, they, they probably are not loyal, but they are curious. They want to get deeper and deeper inside the thing. And so then we have, especially single vineyards uh, in single expression of areas, we need to catch them with these sort of uh, depth of knowledge uh, that can be improved and improved over time. It's interesting you say that about um, Rosso di Montalcino. I was at Biondi Santi about, I think, two weeks ago, obviously got um, relatively new owners. And we were talking about Rosso di Montalcino, and it is such an underrated wine. Um, as you say, it's the stepping stone to the world of Brunello and, and all its magic. And I hope the producers take their Rossos a little bit more seriously. Those that do make absolutely stunning wines, as you know, incredible value. Some of them are like mini Brunellos at, at like a third of the price. Um, so um, hopefully uh, that, that, push will, that push will come uh, over, over time. Um, is there anything else you'd like to talk about today, Gabriele, that um, we've missed? Oh, well, uh, t- tonight we are doing a session with Stevie about how to taste Italian wine like uh, a pro, so that would be a strongly expansive session together with my fellow students Andrea Lonardi and, and Pietro Russo, and uh, I think we will cover a lot of you know suggestions about uh, Italian wines. I I just wanted to thank you very much because you I understood that you have always believed in me uh, as a you know as a student. Last year uh, interview, it is a proof of that. And uh, I'm so happy and so glad to have you really in, in five kilometers uh, from here so we can continue to, to interact. Just want to say thanks to my guest today, Gabriele Gorelli from uh, Montalcino, master of wine, Italy's first, very modest down-to-earth guy, got a, a super brain. And uh, you share your knowledge beautifully. And uh, if I was a student for the MW, I would absolutely want to have you as my mentor. Um, you encapsulate the, you know, the dedication needed to do what you've done and your, your communication skills are second to none. 
And uh, you're a very likable chap as well, and you make it sound a little bit easier than possibly it is, so you don't shock people either. So uh, you've got a fantastic career ahead of you, and uh, you've done some great things as well already. So enjoy, and, and enjoy your little baby as well. Don't, don't forget the baby. <laughs> That's more important than anything. Gabriele, you've been superstar. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's been always a pleasure to, to talk with you, and uh, let's keep up. Let's keep in touch. Take care. Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. Until next time, cin cin.